Welcome, everybody, to the old switcheroo. We're talking gaming retro with Mike and JMO. I'm Mike. And I'm JMO. Welcome to our second episode, which we are uh, kind of loosely titling May the Shining Force Be With You. We are covering two Sega Genesis RPGs, Shining Force and Shining Force 2, as part of our overarching mission to play through and discuss and critique every game available in the Nintendo Switch online catalog. Now, Mike, before we dive into this, I kind of just wanted to ask, what, what's your experience with the RPG genre in general? Because I've gamed with you for decades now, but I don't think we've ever really talked about RPGs. Well, I think I generally avoid them because I think of them as games where you're pretending to be some character. And okay. Is real life. Games? Well, in terms of things like decisions and how you interact with people and stuff and I find real life already challenging enough to do that. And so I don't <laughs> okay. find it a recreational activity. Um, so I'm pleasantly surprised when something under that umbrella doesn't have the character elements. That Interesting. Much. Now you consider yourself an introvert, right? Uh, very you? much so. Okay, because I mean, it's interesting because like you also like can hold a room and make a, a whole group of people laugh in a way that I think a lot of people, you know, wouldn't necessarily expect from an introvert. So I'm curious, like in, in games where you're having the pretend to be a different character or like, you know, make decisions, do you find that kind of triggers like stress as if it was like a real life interaction? Oh, yeah, it is, it is thoroughly unpleasant. Really? Okay, that's interesting because, you know, some of my most emotional moments with gaming and uh, have come from RPGs. Uh, just for a listener's context, my favorite role-playing game of all time is uh, called Grandia 2 on the Sega Dreamcast. So, Mike, is there any RPG that you really like? I'm not sure or that there is that really fall falls into that. I think it's, and it's probably why I tend more towards things that are like strategy games where it's more planning control from a sort of higher higher level up on things okay so like i think that um we'll have a lot to talk about then because i feel like the shining force series kind of has a bit of both worlds um one game leaning more towards strategy and the other one leaning more towards uh story elements so um let's dive in then with our first game uh, Shining Force, The Legacy of Great Intention. I love that um, subtitle. Isn't that amazing? I saw that on the title screen. I was so happy to see that. And such a mistake to not put it on the American box. We'll get to the box art in a second. Let me read the description from the Nintendo Switch online menu. It says, uh, Shining Force, released in 1993, the first entry in the ever-popular tactical RPG series, a millennium after the Dark Dragon was sealed, 30 warriors of light band together to stop the invading forces of Rune Faust. Faust? Faust? Rune Faust? Faust? How would you say that? F-A-U-S-T. Because it's the I, famous author's name, Faust. I'm thinking Rune Faust because I am thinking... Of like, I don't know if there's supposed to be a Faustian bargain in here, but I can see that. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, that's actually a really good point because I didn't even think about, you know, because so Faustian bargain, <laughs> I totally know, but I'm just testing you, Mike. That has something like a deal with the devil, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's that okay. classic deal with the devil move. Got it. 
Okay, so, I mean, that does kind of make sense for the plots of these games. Uh, it was directed by Yasuhiro Taguchi, I hope I'm saying that right, which uh, was also the director of one of our games from last week, Mario Tennis, and one of our upgaming games, uh, Golden Sun. I'm really excited to um, eventually get to the Golden Sun episode, because I'm sure we'll go into it in detail, but Mike, are you familiar with the Game Boy Advance game Golden Sun? I am not in the slightest. It's another RPG, kind of more like Zelda, though, um, and it has a very unique premise in that the cartridge, being that it was a portable game, had a solar panel on it, and your characters would need to solve puzzles by you actually going out into the sunlight, which I feel like you're probably going to take issue with, being that it's a video game. Yeah, I don't like the sun normally. <laughs> right. So now it's, and also the funny thing is that, I mean, I shouldn't get into this much detail, but if you if you remember, the Game Boy Advance did not do well in sunlight. You couldn't really see the screen <laughs> because of glare since it wasn't backlit. So, um, but anyway, so he had developed um, Mario Tennis and Golden Sun. And then um, Kenji Orimoto uh, was the, another one of the directors, and he made an upcoming Genesis game we're going to play called Strider. And the other major Sega RPG uh, series uh, called Fantasy Star. Got some um, trivia here for our knowledge is power, superpower section. The game Shining Force, The Legacy of Great Intention. Mike, were you aware while playing it that it was actually a sequel? That this was not the first in the series? I was not. That does make Shining Force 2 more confusing. <laughs> yeah. So the original game was called Shining in the Darkness. And it was a um, 3D first-person dungeon adventure game. So as opposed to like seeing your party members, you were just kind of clicking through a dungeon, kind of one picture at a time, representing your progress through it. There's a very popular game series called King's Quest that it was based heavily on. Or I should say that, um, you know, they share a lot of stylistic similarities. But this game, Shining Force, it most closely resembles a game called Fire Emblem. Mike, familiarity with the Fire Emblem series? You must have heard the name. I know it exists. That's better than I normally do. Oh, we said that's all, that's all you know about it? Yeah. Okay, so it's a very, very popular Nintendo franchise that was revived because of one of the characters being in a Smash Brothers game. And that brought this new attention to it. And the Fire Emblem series is uh, controlled combat-wise very, very similarly to this game where you're clicking, you know, kind of one unit at a time. And the lead develop, uh, developer, um, Haruyuki Takahashi, um, was asked if Shining Force was influenced by Fire Emblem because the combat was so similar. And he said something, according to Games TM Magazine, March 2010, he said, in Fire Emblem, the tempo of that title was so bad that it wasn't something I even wanted to play. And the hilarious part about that to me is that that's the director, uh, or excuse me, one of the developers of Shining Force throwing shade at Fire Emblem when uh, you probably know Fire Emblem is a much more popular franchise now. <laughs> um, are you um, familiar at all, Mike, with um, games like this? So for those who've never played Shining Force before, it's kind of unique in that it's an RPG but you're kind of controlling more of an army than you are like a small party of characters. I would say I wasn't. And so part of that is I think I've played games somewhat similar that will have a different sort of battle mode. So I have played things where it's, you know, you have 
a few people that you just kind of arrange and then their order of attacks happen. Yeah. And I've, and even with those, the fact that I just kind of kept adding party members and they just kept all being there was not a thing that I was prepared for. I kind of expected it to be like, oh, I got to select four or five. And then I'm up to like 10 and they're all in the battles. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot. Like effectively, this became the strategy game that I'm much more a fan of than yeah. it felt like an RPG. I was not expecting that. And like, let's get into the box art for these games because Shining Force is again, a game that I was aware of because I was a Sega kid. And fellow listeners, if you're a Sega kid, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. There was a period where Super Nintendo seemed to be getting all the great games and kids at the schoolyard, you know, they were talking about Final Fantasy. They weren't talking about Shining Force. And this was a game I knew of because it'd be advertised. You know, Sega kids kind of knew all of our samplings because it was a bit more limited um, for a period. And I think part of why I didn't try this game is that I don't think the box art or even the images really portrayed what kind of game it was. Cause I'm looking at the, the one in the North America this is very clearly like a lone warrior, you know, Conan, um, I almost said Conan O'Brien. <laughs> well, you know, he's facing away from us and Max kind of does look like Conan O'Brien. I'm going to stick with it. A lone Conan O'Brien slash Conan the Barbarian character. Even Conan O'Brien wasn't lone. He had a sidekick. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And the Max Weinberg 7, which is about the number of people you control in this game. So the, there's a parody uh, Japanese, game here somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, but remember though, it's not actually Conan the uh, Barbarian. It's just Shining Force. Um, but it'll yeah, work if we get a big enough audience. <laughs> That's great. All right. When this podcast eventually has dozens of listeners, someone has to make a mod of this game using Conan O'Brien just because. So would you agree with me that the Japanese cover over here on the right that we're looking at um, with the anime style and you have the main character and your party members kind of dramatically posed around you, this this is much more accurate to the feel of the game, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that that much more cap captures it. And I do enjoy enjoy the, it's not a surprise, but I enjoy the more anime style that like the manual used too. Okay, so uh, for those who've never listened to us before, we are trying to sort of tackle this topic of retro gaming in two ways. I'm going from it from a more modern perspective, even though I am a fan since I was a kid, where I'm going to play using emulation tools like rewinding or save states. And I'm also going to just kind of go with whatever's available in the description of the game or, you know, looking up walkthroughs. Mike, however, you know, you're kind of the true you're you're really gaming retro. If I'm a retro gamer, you're gaming retro actually because you are only using the save functions that are built into the games, so passwords if necessary, and you're you are looking up the manual. Yes, and in some cases I will look up walkthroughs because this gets confusing. Absolutely. I, that will I get mean, talked about later, but that yeah. that bit I am taking advantage of. So tell me about the manual because I'm always curious and eager to hear your insight. You said the uh, uh, manual for Shining Force, looking at like a PDF of it, has kind of an anime sort of feel to it. Yeah, well, one of the things they actually do with with both of them, so both the English and Japanese version, and I think at least the English version for Shining Force 2, is to basically give you bios of 
if not all, then most of the characters that you can pick up along the way. They don't tell you where all, they come in, right? But they're all in there, and you can see, you know, what sort of classes they are. And super useful, it also has a table of the weapons and who can use them. So as yeah, yeah. So as you're getting new weapons, you can actually check and be like, is this one actually better? Because the names may seem to hint as to which is the better weapon, but it's not always clear. Yeah, so what Mike's referring to is that, you know, as you make your way through the game, you'll get different people joining your team. And you can have eight people in your party at once, which is double what I expected. I mean, I totally agree with you, that sensation of one character after another keeps adding, adding more and more, get in here, get in here, until eventually I'm like, wow, I have like a whole little... Well, <laughs> I have a whole little shining force. <laughs> and I and that was also, I don't know if you like this, Mike. I'm I'm a real cheap date. I really loved the idea of the shining force being like your team. Like I assumed it was like sort of a vague sort of supernatural power a la the shining or the force. <laughs> wow, I'm really proud of that. Um <laughs> Um, I just, I'm a sucker for like team ups. And so every time some, you know, it's like Zylo has joined the shining force and like, that's, that's what would play in my head. I don't know. Did you like the team aspect of this game? I think so. Yeah. I think it, it added a lot. You get into this situation of so par- partially there's just the plot element of people joining up. Right. To, to fight a great evil. That's basically as in depth as people's motivations get in this game. <laughs> it's, it, it's a good reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> like there's a part of me that is annoyed that I know that there's someone that I missed early on because I apparently didn't go to the right spot and talk to someone at the right time. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into it, but like, I really liked this game. I, I'm kind of upset at how little it's talked about because I think that as you kind of alluded to the strategy element made the battles a lot more interesting than I'm used to. The RPGs that I've played, it's very much like you wander around the map, then when there's a battle, you get whisked off to this separate screen, kind of like in Pokemon. You choose attacks, the battle ends, you're back walking around the map. This game is all about like placement, and there's these, you know, interesting battles where like you're fighting on a narrow bridge. So you can only get like one character across the bridge at a time, but you're still being attacked as your characters are crossing the bridge. So I had to think about like placement. I I really felt kind of like a commander, like figuring out the ideal setup for my troops in a way that engaged me more than, you know, other games that are much more complicated and much more modern have pulled off. What what, what was your general takeaway for how this game plays? What'd you think of it? Um, Yeah. So one of the things I found fascinating was how much time is actually biding your time as you're waiting for enemies to get into sort of the right spot for you to launch an attack or when you're waiting for um when it's holding back to try to time things so that they've just moved so you know that everybody you move now will get a shot before an attack comes in because there are some characters especially depending on where you're how leveled up you are there's some characters that you kind of want to kill before they can have any chance to do damage right getting the hang of how to avoid being vulnerable to the area area of effect attacks um, took a while. It was satisfying when I realized that the knights, which for some weird reason are centaurs, which is 
confusing as a concept. Hey, don't cr- that's amazing. The word you're looking for is amazing. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not amazing. It's just also confusing. Mm-hmm. Um that when it comes to them realizing that they can wield two different kinds of weapons with two different areas that they can hit. And so realizing that oh, if I have them equipped with both sets of weapons, I can use them for long distance attacks if I if I need it or switch right. to a stronger close-up attack. There's so much, so many different elements to that that right. keep this really interesting. Once I figured out a couple key things about those battles that otherwise were was making this very opaque to me. I the 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 part about like biding your time, it was like definitely necessary for the strategy. So you know, this game is tough. Like, I, I don't know. I My characters were dying left and right towards the beginning. And, you know, you put, like, your healing character up front at the wrong time. It gets pegged by, you know, one of their more aggressive monsters. It's dead in one hit. And you're like, well, great. <laughs> so now I can kind of, you know, tough this out. So I, I was definitely one to, like, rewind every time one of my characters got KO'd. And I don't know that I would have enjoyed this as much if I played the way. So did so you you tried to stick to your retro principles and didn't rewind. Am I assuming that correctly? You are assuming that correctly. And you were annoyed by this game. I'm guessing at points because of how quickly your characters died off. I was. And a huge part that changed how I was understanding this game was. So your main character has an ability called egress basically there's one magic spell he knows and it's to get everybody out of there right and it takes Uh, you back to the town where you can get healed and you know raise your stats and um you know kind of like yeah it it, it takes you back to a save point but as you taught me you keep all your experience points from the battle you just fled from yes and once i realized that was a thing then this became much easier yeah. Um, and partially also because it it avoided the problem that I was worried that I was going to come out in a worse state than I went into it if I fled a battle. Right. And I realizing of, oh, wait, I have increased the strength of characters during this battle. So if I'm fleeing, this is coming out with them stronger. Yeah. I can now grind some of these. And once I figured this out, um, I did grind a bit to get levels adjusted, especially because partially those healing characters are a pain to level up. Yeah. So it's when every time, so their, their attack is useless. Like it does like a single point of damage. So unless an enemy is on death's door, you don't want your, uh, what were they called? Clerics and um, Vickers. Am I remembering that right? Well, actually, I, sh- I should ask you, did you ever promote a character? Because you only got to kind of the end of the second chapter. Did you get to the point where you start promoting characters? Um, I promoted a couple. Okay. So um, I really like that element, too. I'm a sucker for, like, evolutions. You know, uh, as a kid, I was fascinated by Pikachu evolving into Raichu. And I'd be like, well, this one looks a little bit tougher. And you can kind of see the, you know, the 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 way that this is sort of a fancier version of the previous version and so every character can evolve or in this case promote by talking to like the priest and and i just thought that was cool i i thought visually the promotions made them look more interesting 
I also thought it was interesting, though, the way that when you promote or evolve a character, do you know what happens to that character? I was going to say, I think what, well, one of the things is they sort of change class. I think the other thing you're maybe getting to is I think they become at least temporarily a bit weaker and have to yeah. power back up. Right. You kind of reset all of your, you know, skill points and the ceiling is higher for this new evolved, you know, promoted character. But I just thought that was so interesting because like in Pokemon, you know, I mean, I, you know, you, you if you want to learn certain attacks, you know, you hold off on evolving your character but i just feel like most people they just evolve as soon as they can and this one you really had to think like is this the right time to promote or not so you know things that i didn't love about this game you know is first of all i imagine that if you weren't backing up it can be kind of punishing and how quickly your characters can die although grinding in this game it doesn't seem so bad because there's no little random encounters like most RPGs have. So like Final Fantasy or Skies of Arcadia, um, you know, a lot of Pokemon, you know, a lot of these games you wander around and ooh, a random wolf jumped out and like, I'll kill that thing. Every battle in this game has story significance. You're, it, it's, it's either, you know, impeding your way to point A or, you know, they're coming after you and you're having to defend a village or whatever. And I liked that. I liked the way that this game didn't seem to kind of waste my time the way other RPGs too. Also, a lot of RPGs start you off like you're going to fight a rat and it's like just a rat and it doesn't feel epic at all. You're just, you know, with a wooden stick whacking a rat because you start off in a prison or something. And this game kind of jumped in for me. It's like you're fighting these goblins and dark dwarves and zombies or whatever. So what did, what did you think of the pace of the game? Um, I think I enjoyed it because it starts you off. And again, all the battles have some element of story relevance in this. Now, there's not much story, though, we should mention. I think there's exactly enough story as, as I was after is, you know, some force is trying to bring back some evil thing. And so you have your own force to stop that. Right. Um, Very classic fantasy. Yeah. So I think that like I think that works well. And then I guess this is sort of related to the pacing is... I really enjoy the way that this figured out how to create your XP earned. And uh, explain. So this becomes more noticeable when you either start grinding or when you have characters that are very um, different levels. The XP that you're getting for the actions is a combination of how much damage you're doing okay. and what the difference in level is between your character and the character you're attacking. And so if you are a much higher level than what you're fighting, you basically just get like one XP no matter how much damage you were doing. And that's that's a staple for most RPGs. But I could see that this might be one of the first ones to figure that out. Yeah, well, it's, I I think it's because I'm I'm more used to seeing something where as you get to higher levels, is more that you need more XP to get to the next level. Whereas in this oh, case, okay. the XP that you get diminishes. Um, yeah. And then it also gives XP both for the damage you're doing and for actually dealing the killing blow. So if you could time it well, you could level up your lower levels quite a bit. Mm. If you could get them in the position to get to, you know, if they had to do one damage and there's only one damage left, you could strategize that to sort of boost them, which was particularly helpful because the healers otherwise are really only getting XP from how much they're healing your other characters. And if those are strong, 
they are not taking enough damage to need healing. And then it becomes a little bit of a problem to get those powered up. Yeah, I felt, I'm so glad, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I'm just relieved, you know, that you're finding so many positive things about it as well, because for some reason I was sort of afraid, you know, I think maybe it's because of how much this series is sort of forgotten and overlooked when people are talking about quality RPGs. People think of Mass Effect and Final Fantasy and even like Skyrim, but no one talks about Shining Force. And it does have, you know, recent entries. I would say, and that's particularly odd because I feel like the uh, waking up at the start of a game thing was something that clearly Skyrim took from this. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the opening cutscene too, where it's some little girl. Actually, I wrote her name down. What is her name? The opening cutscene. Oh, I, I deleted it. I think her name's Simone, and she's reading from this tome of legend, and it's basically your story. Yeah, and- I really enjoyed that the first time. And then it diminished a little bit because I seem to be not particularly skippable. Oh, well, yeah, I only watch it once because I use save states. So as far as the game's concerned, I never turned off the system. So let's, if I may, if you'll humor me, Mike, I made a little game for you because you said you got about two chapters in, right? Yes. So so one thing I really loved about this game is just it's wacky and it's funny and it's very imaginative. So I came up with a little game called Shining Force or Shining Farce. And I want to read it to you. And your job is to guess, is this something that actually happens in the game or is it a Shining Farce and I made it up? Are you ready? All right. And some of these you'll get because you read the manual or you got that far. Okay. So it's just... I know some of these will be gimmies, so just knowing that. Okay, so first one, Shining Force or Shining Farce? A village full of people who follow you around because they don't realize they're actually dead and were enchanted to rise from the grave and attack you. Is that Shining Force or Shining Farce? Ah, the Abbey was a Shining Force. Yes, that was Shade Abbey. It's so creepy because if you're like me, you play a fair number of these top-down retro RPGs. What? I didn't, something about you saying it, I just realized I I have been thinking Shade Abbey because I I think I'd read that as something about an an easy area to grind before I reached it. And nothing I saw said anything about what that was. Just this is a compact level that you can level up on. And so I saw Shade at that time and just thought like, you know, like, Oh, these are some nice trees. There's some, there's some shade. Oh, you didn't not, think about like the supernatural shade? Not until just now. Okay. <laughs> and now I realize that that fits very well. And it's one of those things like that was hiding in plain sight. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, kind of like the Faustian, you know, Rune Faust thing you mentioned earlier. So it's a cool level because it's, this little church town and you're walking through it and everyone's a little bit off in the way they're talking to you. And then you get to the back of the church and there's all these empty graves. And in the next room, one of the NPCs starts to follow you. And it's so unnerving, even though this is just an old RPG, you know, 16 bit graphics, it really creeped me out because you're just not used to that. And you talk to him and he goes like, Oh, what's going on? He kind of has head problems. Then you learn that, these are people are all raised from the dead to attacks. Okay, so good. You got that one, okay? How about this one? 
A spell that makes a random enemy fall in love with you, making them betray evil and join the Shining Force. Is that Shining Force in the game? Shining Farce, I made it up. I'm not sure, so let's go Shining Farce. Ah, you got me. Yeah, I made that one up. But it is, you know, cool how many people you can actually have join your team. So I thought maybe I'd get you with that one. Okay, ready? How about this one? An armadillo that rides around in a steam-powered battle mech. I'm going Shining Force because I think I met this character, but didn't yeah. get them to... Do, do they join you later? They do. His name's Guns, and he's amazing. He's this cute little armadillo. And I, I mean, I know you could say it's a bit of a hat on a hat, and armadillo being in an armored mech but it's just it's just cool and he's a tank figuratively in terms of game design but also literally driving around in a tank he can just take punishment on the front line i love guns okay a scientist who develops technology to turn people into chickens as a misguided solution to world hunger that was shining force You got further in the game than you told me to. You're ruining my game here. Yeah, it's this it's this level of um, it's mage level. You go to like this wizard's academy, and there's all these weird experiments happening on human beings. And this person turns somebody into a chicken, and you talk to the person after their experiment is a success, and he goes, "If we could turn everyone into chickens, there'd be no more world hunger." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> First of all, dark. Second of all, if you're gonna eat people, isn't there more meat in people than there is in a chicken? I think they, I think it's kind of like a, you technically, it's a loophole out of an ethical question there, I guess. Well, okay. So Mike, you turn me into a chicken, you kill me and eat me. You didn't kill a human. You killed killed a chicken. chicken. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pay attention. The line between scientist and mad scientist is very thin. Okay. That's true. That's true. Did you use, (laughs) and did you use the ability to become a chicken to then get past the guard? Yes. I I think you have to, don't you? I can't recall if you could, or I'm not sure if you could have gotten past that point without doing that. Like if you could have gotten to the next stage without doing that or not. Okay. Yeah. So you do eventually um, get the ability to be chickenized yourself and, you know, no one tries to eat you. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. Okay. Well, this is one, this was from the same town, but a mage that attempts to summon a demon, but accidentally summons his nagging wife instead. Did you get to that one? No. Okay. I don't think I did. Damn it. I shouldn't have given that one away. Well, and look, I know that like nagging is a sexist term. I'm aware of that, but this was also made in the nineties and there's no doubt in my mind. That's how they described it when they were writing that dialogue. This guy tries to summon a demon and then out of the portal steps his wife. It was like, what are you still doing here? You're supposed to be home for dinner. I was like, oh, this is super nineties, but also like kind of amazing. Okay. So here's another one. <clears throat> A village that was shrunken by a spell were, and all the enemies replaced by rats, ants, and roly-poly bugs. Um, I'm going to go f- Shining Farce. Ah, you're really good at this. Yeah, I made that. How did you know I made that one up? Um, honestly, I feel like roly-poly was somehow a tip-off. Oh, I was hoping that would get you. I thought that would be just specific enough to fool you. Okay, last one. Uh, a gerbil in a helmet that dies in one hit, never does more than a single point of damage, and can never level up or get stronger. I think this may be one of the characters that I know exists but never got to. Yes, so he is a fictional, excuse me, a um, a secret character. And I had no idea that these were in the game. So yeah, as you go through the game, you meet new characters and they join up with you. Some of them you don't even get a choice. 
they just like, hey, I'm coming with you. And you're like, okay, <laughs> hop on board. Some characters you kind of have to talk to people in a village or like one of them is this little dragon named Blue. Did you meet Blue? I don't think I did. Blue is the dra- baby dragon and he's just, he just is scared. He doesn't want to fight. So you, you have to find him hiding. And if you do, he joins your team. But then all the, there's other like really secret characters. Like there's a, there's a gnome named Kokichi. Oh, I shouldn't call him a gnome. <laughs> it's actually really problematic. I just assume based on his facial features. An old man who rides around in the flying machine. Um, there's a squid named Domingo. Did you encounter or see no. Domingo? Yeah. And then Jogurt is this little gerbil mole thing in a little like Kaiser helmet. And apparently he's a joke character. He's basically a waste of a slot. Dies in one hit, never does more than a single point of damage, can't level up. He's always available for a fake promotion. I don't know what that means, but I love the concept. And apparently after you do level him up for the first time, he gives you the Jogurt ring, which all it does is make any character look like a dribble in a helmet. So I'm like, I don't get the joke, but I love it. Well, so let's be critical then. So what did you not like about Shining Force? What are the joy cons as opposed to the joy pros? Um, so I think one of the things, because this did begin to bother me, was because when you're in a town, everybody's walking around. Sure. Um, there's a whole lot of having to like chase people to get to a point where like you can talk to them because you're like you're trying to talk to them and they're moving. Yeah. Or they're moving and you you're getting blocked in or waiting for them to move to let you through. <laughs> it's definitely from an era before they figured out certain things about RPG design. And one of them is if you're facing a character and you press the button to talk to them, maybe you should just talk to the character, even if you're not perfectly lined up with them. And definitely, did you get annoyed by the inventory management? So you you walk around as Max, your main character, and only Max can buy things. But then, or excuse me, only Max can pick things up from treasure chests and whatnot. And if Max is already holding four items, well, you can't pick it up. And so you have to then pass items to other characters in your party. It's just something that should happen automatically and thankfully does in the second game. But I kind of had a headache with the inventory in this game. What did you think about it? Yeah, no, I think that was a bit frustrating. It was trying to move stuff around. It was also very frustrating trying to figure out when you were equipping people. Okay. Who yeah. would be getting a weapon and who is going to get a weapon that's better than what they currently have. Right. Like, the manual was very useful to look at it and just go like, oh yeah, no, I've got everybody with this thing. Uh, let's upgrade everybody to something. Yeah. But it's a very finicky process. So I was in deep into the game when I learned that you can use your weapons like an item. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I understand what you what you are saying, but <laughs> I do not know how it features into the game. So I found this weapon for my warrior character called the Heat Axe. In fact, let me just go to that warrior character with his Heat Axe. Because I, I loved, you know, the way that the animations would get more bombastic when you evolved your character. So instead of just swinging an axe, you know, Gort here swings his entire body as he spins around in the air and then clobbers him with the axe. There was just a nice little bit of added theatrics that I really got into. My favorite so character he- is also named Gort. <laughs> was that in my son's name is also Bort? attempt there yes 
That was good. Okay. I liked it. I I didn't know you got, got to Dune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the uh spoiler alert, if you plan on playing this game, maybe tune out for the next 60 seconds or mute me or something. But were you aware this game gets very sci-fi towards the end? No, with, this is entirely with, new to me. Yeah, so look at look at this monster design. If you can still see my screen, armed skeleton. He's a, a, a cyborg skeleton with four arms who also is holding an Uzi. He is armed in multiple ways. I freaking loved it. Uh, like and you found it, Grievous. It was kind of grievy. And it never really is explained why. And a lot of RPGs, this, you know, it's a fantasy setting and you get kind of like a weird futuristic thing towards the end. But it just made me like really curious for the lore. And I just kind of love that it wasn't really elaborate or explained. It just kind of made things feel otherworldly in an already otherworldly setting. Well, we've kind of talked a lot about Shining Force here. Do you have any other parting thoughts before we discuss Shining Force 2? Um, yeah, actually, I, I'm going to raise up one other really annoying complaint, which was... Sure. Give me another um, Joy-Con. Yeah. Um, please tell me where the city limit is if I crop, because if I cross the city limit <laughs> and I get thrown out into the overworld and then have to go back into the city to finish what I was up to, um, which was usually looting everything I could find. Sure. Like, th- there's enough loading times involved in that that it's a total pain. And it's like, I didn't know that that pixel was where this stopped being the town. It's not like right. there's a sign. And then I think the other thing that I will... Hi- two things I'll highlight, hi- just because they caught my attention, they're minor points. One of them is, I find it really weird that this the manual abbreviate, and I think the game does this too, but abbreviates the word <laughs> night, K-N-T-E, using right. a letter that is not in the word. Yes, yes, yes. And I didn't know what some of these meant. It's like, oh, you've upgraded from an admin to a skint. And I was like, that one feels like a racial slur. It's like, I don't know. I feel weird <laughs> just saying it. But they abbreviate the, the classes. And if you're not fancy Mr. Manual, then you have no idea what some of them stand for. Most of them you can kind of figure out. I just realized I never finished my thought about using items like weapons or weapons oh, like items. Yeah. Well, so I'll just touch on that real quickly then. So I was very, very deep into the game. Oh, because you made the Doom joke and it threw me off. So the Heat Axe here is just a strong attacking axe, but it can also be used the way that you would use, let's say, a potion to heal yourself. And now it's being used as a spell that does this big area of effect fire damage, but cracks the weapon. And if you use it as an item too many times, it will break and you can't use it for anything until you revisit the fryer, which was what the repair function was for. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at every save point, you can level up your characters, you can cure them of poisoning, or you can repair it. But it's weird, though, because unless you're using the items in this secret way, or the weapons, excuse me, your items don't take damage. You never need to repair them. I was wondering about that. Were you also wondering about the deals in the item shop? Because it took me a while to figure out what that meant. Also, yes. <laughs> Every item shop you can buy, you can sell, or you can, you know, hunt for deals. And I was like, <laughs> I kept checking, like, no deals today. I'm like, well, this stinks. What, there's just never a sale. Deal is if you sold an item but want to buy it back. Uh... You, get it, you get to rebuy it at less than it's, you know, you're essentially buying it used. And... It never really came up, but I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> I was like, 
thank you for giving me a way out of this if I accidentally sell something and can't rewind it like Mike had to. I also imagine, you know, you're mentioning it's hard to tell like where a town ends and the battlefield begins because sometimes in the game you step your foot out of town, you're ambushed by enemies and whether you're ready or not, a fight is starting and you not rewinding, did that ever happen to you? <laughs> um, you can actually kind of just like walk back into the town or at least use egress and just oh, teleport yeah, back. Cause I'd still, yeah. I, I, in a very paranoid fashion would save in a town like multiple times. Like I've shown up, I've saved, I've done some stuff I've saved. So like, right. I feel like I was somewhat secured in that. Are, how many times do you save when you save? Are you like me where you save like two or three times just in case it didn't take? <laughs> not that not that bad. It was usually at least one save, but it was like, I'll save and then it's like, I'll go explore some stuff in the town and like upgrade weapons and buy, yeah. buy more items. Then go back and save again. Okay. But, oh yeah, I will also mention, because I appreciate in, in, in this is that all the bookshelves that you can search... Yeah, which don't actually do anything, but it, it kind of is a fun little detail. It's every bookshelf, every town has readers. Just this fantasy world where people are actually reading. Yeah, but and... they, what, what, what's on the bookshelf, especially in, in this game, always felt a bit creative. Um, and so my favorite that I wrote down somewhere in there was because it would tell you what books that you're looking at. And one of them, yeah. was, the books were Modern Science, Do Witches Float?, and other books. <laughs> Wait, did you say and other books? Yes. The title was Do Witches Float and Other Books? Oh, Comma, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Book, okay. <laughs> book title one, book title two, and then just there's more books. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like, I, en- I enjoyed that formula, and I was always looking forward to see what would show up in there, because a lot would be general things or the things that were suitable to where you were finding those books. But there was enough thrown in there that kept that interesting. And I think it is interesting. So I'm not surprised that this game never got hold of people's imaginations the way the Final Fantasy does, because Final Fantasy, you've never played any of those, right? Correct. The characters are full of personality and backstory, and they interact with one another. And that's why people buy action figures of them and get them tattooed on their bodies. They're distinct personalities. Shining Force each town you visit has a character arc. Each town you visit has its own little dilemma. And then it kind of, well, you know, the game's divided up into chapters, but I kind of felt like each one was its own little mini episode. I was particularly amused at the town that is basically, for lack of a better term, Nazi sympathizers. When you show up, they're rooting for the guys you're fighting and you have to watch this horrible play talking about how great this empire is. And then after you free them from the Empire's grip, you can see the next play, which is a lot more critical of the evil in the town. And, you know, then we already mentioned the town full of undead and the Mages Academy, where it's full of like magic experiments. I just really wanted to see the next town and see what would happen next. So, you know, the the characters kind of took a backseat to the world building. Would you say you agree? I can definitely see see the point on that. The big bummer, though, and this is the last thing I'll say about this one, is that, like, oh, this game needs more variety in its music. Every battle is the same battle music. Every town has the same. This, you know, the undead town has the same music as the Mages Academy. Like, come on. Give me some different themes. I know they were limited on what they could fit on the cartridge, but I got pretty sick of hearing the same music over and over again. 
Oh, and I will say, here's something that you never saw and also did bother me somewhat, but I'm not sure I can fault them. Okay. Which is, so when when you save the game and it'll be like, hey, do you want to keep playing or are you done? Um, And so I'm figuring, you always just said, I'm going to keep playing. And then you just, yeah. And then you just hit the home button and leave. Right. Um, Whereas I actually did select no when I was done. Okay. And what I did not expect would occur... For some reason, I don't know why, um, was it basically goes back to that little girl with the book who's like, come back and tell me what's going on or something. Um, And then it just stops there. (laughs) And there's no actual way within the confines of the game. Because their logic is like, well, you're turning this off. Why do we need to make anything happen next? It's funny because I'll I'll get into it a little bit later, but. You you hit something you never see in modern software, which is a dead end. You 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 told the game you were done playing, and so it brought you to a screen that said, "Okay, see me soon." And then it's just, you can turn off the Genesis now. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, and it was and basically it, just like, "Yeah, go. You, you should go rest. That's important." Bye. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was not prepared because then when I <laughs> to come back to it, it's like, "Huh, I can't actually get back into the game from this. I actually have to like." restart this right okay so let's move on to the sequel shining force 2 and i mike i love the subtitle of the original game and i noticed that in the japanese versions there was a subtitle that was missing so i was very excited to translate it after the legacy of great intention and the sequel the subtitle for shining force 2 appearing only in japan is the ancient seal and i was like ah man not as cool not bad but not as cool So Shining Force 2, let me read the description off the Nintendo Switch Online menu. It reads, released in 1994 by Sega, the second entry in the popular tactical RPG series featuring even more strategic combat. Sir Astral Squire Bowie must assemble an army of light from all the world's races to stop evil from overtaking the land. This was published by Sega. It was directed by, uh, again, Yasuhiro Taguchi uh, and uh, Kenji Orimo, so same team as Shining Force. And this will break your heart a little bit, Mike. Shining Force and the very first game in the series I talked about earlier, Shining in the Darkness, they were both critical and commercial successes. But Sega never increased their budget for any of the sequels. They had the same amount of money, despite you know Shining Force selling really well, they had the same budget for Shining Force 2. And that, that you know, subsequently had been the same budget as the previous game. And it led to a really strained relationship between the publisher and its developers, which is partly why I think this series took a big hiatus after Shining Force 2. And although it is a sequel, much of the connective tissue is just told through those book titles. You mentioned those in the first game. Did you notice any books in Shining Force 2? Were you also checking the bookshelves in this game? I was, and they were less interesting. Yeah, but they were some of the lore connections. So there is a book called The Legend of Max you can find, which is the story of the first game. And there was also mention of uh, Rune, which was the continent from the first game. Although a uh, true sequel story to the first game was later told through the Shining Force Gaiden series. It appeared on the Game Gear. Did you, did you ever see a Game Gear in the wild? Do you know what a Game Gear is? Uh, like that, that was Sega's Game Boy. I believe you right. owned one. I, I didn't, actually. I had a 
I had a Nomad. <laughs> the Nomad was cool because you could just take Genesis games. It was a portable Sega Genesis, like a full-on Sega Genesis. It was rad. Now, the Game Gear, as you said, was Sega's answer to the Game Boy, and it was in color, and the graphics were a little better, but it just didn't have the IP and uh, really, really horrendous battery life. The Game Gear could only last a couple of hours before killing a, a battery outright. Um, so anyway, there was a, a true sequel to the first Shining Force, and it shows how the antagonists of Shining Force and Shining Force 2 come into conflict with one another. And I thought that was kind of interesting that you take the villains from game one, the villains from game two, and they're the ones that have the shared story. I thought that was neat. Interesting. I will also say there was one person I reached in Shining Force 2 that makes a comment of like, where it's like, oh, where are you, like, where did you people come from? And they get gets an answer. It's like, oh, we may be related because our ancestors were traveling somewhere to find some guy named Max. Right. Couldn't find him. And we split to two different places. Oh. So there was a little bit of a mention that showed up in there. All right. So uh, <laughs> plug your ears, kids, for the next 10 seconds if you want to play through the first Shining Force. Yeah, the Shining Force one ends with the protagonist going missing. And it's actually kind of somber and sad. And so that's kind of neat to know that in Shining Force 2, characters are looking for him. Interesting. Yeah. Because it yeah. wasn't clear. It wasn't clear what army this was. Yeah. I took it to be like the bad army trying to capture him and then giving up. Right. Oh, oh. So, no, I mean, I, I take it as he was an ally and they're like, they're literally looking for him, not in a sinister way. Like, because that's the, that's the, uh, yeah. it's the way that the first game ends. Um, so let's take a look at the Shining Force 2 covers. Did, did, so Okay, so look at the one on the left. You see Shining Force 2's North American cover, the guy with the shield. Yeah. And then let me, let me go back to the first one. Can you see it with the guy on the mound? Yeah. Do you realize what, what they kind of did with the cover of the second North American game? I'm it's, not sure. it's more <laughs> – go ahead. As I say, I'm, not, I'm not sure where you're going with this. It's 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 the same cover, just from the different perspective. You have a guy on a mound being attacked by a monster, but the first one you're looking at his back, and the second one you're looking dead. <laughs> okay, this I don't think this was worth mentioning. <laughs> we, we might cut this unless you want to keep it to make me look like a fool. I thought it was interesting. Um, I once again, I think the Japanese cover much better captures the spirit of this game. I don't know why you would make games that are all about commanding this big army this shining force like the power rangers and on the cover you only show one guy like why'd they do that twice it's so misrepresentative of what the game is yeah although i definitely think that this cover the japanese cover is a lot more cluttered and a bit weird i think the first one like knocked it out of the park i yeah. think this one this is better than the north american cover but that's a low bar the japanese cover of shining force 2 the color balances are all off. It takes a second to even kind of realize what you're looking at. So, you know, that big shaft of light before uh, underneath the title Shining Force 2, that's the main character's sword. And I don't know if it was like shimmering on the actual box or why it's just so hard to read. But yeah, it, it definitely, it looks, it kind of looks like a bad tattoo. Not that I could draw much better, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the um, cover for this one. So this one plays very similar to Shining Force. It has the conceit of it starting off as like a character talking, you know, telling the story of the game. And then 
you're and still I, I will I will say with that I prefer the little girl although if you exit when you exit the game and go back to her go back to the, the witch or the, so this is shining force 2 the narrator is a witch and you're saying you prefer the little girl reading the storybook from the first game but which character are you talking about now the witch or the little girl um the the witch okay at the end when you save your game and you're like i'm done and go back to her there is actually a way back into the game you don't have hey. to restart <laughs> um so the witch is more user-friendly than the little yes that's that's a very strange sentence let's keep moving um so the the game plays very similarly this one definitely had more of a focus on kind of cut scenes you had a bit more effort in storytelling it, it actually kind of an unnerving cold open of this thief character stealing these jewels and accidentally unleashing this evil presence that possesses this kind of sickly king and there's lightning striking and there's shadows cast on the ground i i thought it was a bit much i think i preferred the first game's like no nonsense approach to storytelling but i definitely felt like there was some production value in shining force 2 that was kind of missing from shining force 1 what did you think of the cutscenes? actually i think i'm almost opposite than you on this mm. which is really? that yeah and i think it's basically these felt like I spent way too much of the game watching, like having to just hit a button so that I could watch yeah. things happen. No, I didn't. I didn't like it better. Yeah. I, I, I found the cutscenes of Shining Force 2 to be kind of like I was eager for them to be over. Yeah. And so, like, I, th I think it didn't integrate into the story as well, although I will give some credit to the cutscene in which they decide to throw me yeah I mean, <laughs> and i have no i had no say in that that feels yeah. like a, a moment where i'm like i feel like if that's the plan like i should be involved as the player right they're throwing you that 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 part i i wrote it down here as one of my joy cons of shining force 2 is that the story is kind of oddly convoluted. So Slade the Thief steals two jewels that accidentally open a gateway to evil, but then the jewels get fused to your main character's neck. And I think they meant they get fused to like your necklace, but the description says that these jewels get stuck to your neck while a princess is being kidnapped by her demon-possessed father. And then you spend the next like five minutes of the game listening to these three different patriarchs argue. There's the king... There's his wizard Astral, and by the way, the king's name is Astrid. So there's King Astrid, the wizard Astral, and the minister. And everything that happens, they each say it, and they each put their own, you know, they give their own take on it, but it's not really that different. It really felt like, you ever seen the movie Office Space? Yes. You remember the part about how the guy has like five different supervisors and so he gets the same memo five times. That's what this game's cutscenes kind of felt like. It's like, yes, I get it. The king is possessed. Let's let's keep it moving. Come on. I want to fight some battles here. So I, I think although there was certainly a greater attempt at story, I don't know that it was better executed than the first games. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is. I think it's a story that I just don't care about but feels mm. more long-winded yeah and you're kind of clicking through the the description says with even more strategic combat i didn't find the combat in this game to be strategically any different D did you notice something or did you get to a point where there's a bit more strategy than there was in the previous game because from where i was sitting it was still you want to keep your healers in the right spot 
you got to put your melee characters towards the front, you know, keep your range characters behind someone to shoot over their shoulder. And I don't know. I mean, it felt easier. I felt like the, 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 the random enemies were less likely to kill my guys in one hit, even my weaker characters. I feel like by strategic, they may have meant longer. <laughs> yeah. It's not more strategic combat. It's more strategic combat. It's just yeah, more it, of it. <laughs> yeah. It's all that emphasis. And it, because they feel so much larger and not in a good way where it's like, yeah, where it's, they're just, they're more, they started to feel more spread out and it really felt like I was always having a lot of time of moving to get to the next part of where a battle is going to happen. And when you've got like half a dozen people, like that takes a while, especially if they're at different speeds. And it's like, this feels like this is taking up too much of the game. One thing that drove me, and then if I have to restart, I have to redo all of that. Like, whereas, like, if that had been, say, two battles closer in time, I could actually just be like, oh, I've done the first one. We'll do the second one after that. Yeah. And something that both games do, the first one does a lot more egregiously, is that it cycles through every enemy on the map, even if they're not going to take an action. The camera pans over to show you the enemy. So you can see that they did nothing with their turn. And then it pans back across the map to your unit. I was like, whoo! Shining Force 2 at least had the enemies move towards you, as opposed to in the first game, they're largely waiting for you to get to them, which, which made it strategically more approachable, but definitely dragged the battles on. And Shining Force 2, it doesn't happen often enough, but they will have something I really wanted in the first game, which is counterattacks. So an enemy hits my character, my character hits them back because that's all this game is, is trading blows. So why not just make that happen at a greater frequency and, you know, take up less of my time? Actually, I, I, say, I think like, that, I think that makes it less strategic because you actually, you had two different random things that were going on in here that were yeah. not going on in the first. One is the counterattacks. The other was the double attacks. Now that was in the first game though. I don't think I... Or maybe it's just that you you never faced that. Like, I don't think I ever ever had someone hit me with two attacks in the first one out of nowhere. Uh, okay, you know what? I should amend my statement. I know that your characters could eventually do two attacks. I don't remember, honestly, if the enemies ever did so. Yeah, and like that met, starts to mess with where you're like, I know how much damage this character can take from yeah. this attack and this attack. I can approach it this way. Shining Force 1 also had a lot more enemies that would just dodge your hits. Oh, that drove me nuts. There's like one wolf left on the battlefield and three of your guys are all wailing on it and no one can hit it. Did that happen to you? Um, not with a wolf, but definitely with other things where it's like, why is nothing hitting this? Right. And it's just, oh, it's just a high evade stat or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely other improvements graphically. Shining Force 2 was prettier there was some, you know, environments like what I see on my screen here, where you're on the top of a mountain, but then in the distance, you have these mountains that are scrolling independently of the church. And so what it's doing is it's creating a sense of depth. You're getting the idea that you're seeing into the distance, which is just something that the first game never attempted. And, you know, there's more animations to the overworld cutscenes. All the characters have an individually animated head. And that's one of the things... <laughs> I love that it's 2023. And I was like, oh, their heads are animated separately from their bodies. 
I think sometimes, Mike, with new games and graphics being so amazing, you almost don't appreciate, you know, having to tell a story with less. I think that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this podcast so far is, you know, when I'm, if you look at the screen here, we have these little characters who are yelling as they're trying to catch this bird and their little heads are swaying back and forth in their necks because it makes it look like they're all upset. And it's just like, good for you developers for finding this really low budget, very simple way to convey, you know, emotion without having to draw the character's face being upset. I thought that was neat. Yeah, I will also say in terms of improvements, there's a litany of quality, just like quality of life improvements in this right. game. Yeah, because, so like when you- Or I was gonna say, because just, just the things that I wrote down would be, instead of having to be like one button to get into your menu and another button, button to talk to someone or to search yeah. an area, now that's a single button press. So you're skipping <laughs> that, straight yes. past, like you're reducing a huge number of things by half the number of clicks. Yeah, and every when you and get every the item, or is it, and when then when you get the items, they auto pass to whoever can ha- has space. Yeah. When you're upgrading weapons, it will show you when you're buying them who can have them and what it will increase their attack to. Yeah. And then you don't have to be precisely aligned to talk and there's less int- intro on the repeat so you get into the game faster if you're actually starting it up each time. So it's like Absolutely. huge huge set of quality of life improvements if you want to talk on particular ones of those yeah i mean all of those it's it really drove me nuts in the first game as much as i liked it that every single character in the world you'd walk up to them and you click on them and you'd be like what do you want to do do you want to talk do you want to search them and it's like you can never search a person so like why did you even make that an option like why don't you just assume that if i'm clicking on a random character i want to talk to them because that's literally all i can do <laughs> for all these characters you're right the first game definitely wasted your time a lot more and that's just you know it's just nature of a sequel you know they figured out how to streamline things and i don't know the the, the open world map i thought was both a blessing and a curse in this game because it's huge compared to the first game. The first game, you're kind of just going across battlefields. This one, you're actually like exploring forests and going down rivers. But like, there's not really a whole lot to find out in the wilderness. And I just sort of got lost a few times. And so I think I really appreciated that, although it wasted my time in so many other ways, the first game just kind of funneled me right to where the story was, right to where the battle was. And, you know, I... I, I I don't think I mentioned it before, but I wanted to read from a uh, interview the concept. This is again from Games TM Magazine, March 2010. The director of the Shining Four series said he wanted to make an RPG that focused on the battles more than the story because he thinks that the battles are the most fun part. And I think that that holds very true for these two games. Yeah, I think that is. Very true. When the battles are done well, that goes a long way. Well, so, you know, that kind of covers my feelings about this. Um, Although I just want to mention before we get to our final segment of Nintendo or Nintendo, did it bug you at all how similar things were named in the series? So, for for example, in Shining Force 2, you start off in the town of Grand Seal, which is harboring the ground seal. (laughs) The town of Grand Seal is hiding a secret magical enchantment called the Ground Seal. And Dark Soul, Dark Soul, the main antagonist of the first game, you remember him? 
Yes. Guess what his dad's name is? Dad Soul. You're pretty close. Dark Soul's dad's name is Dark Soul. I'll say that again. I want to see if you can figure out what I'm trying to tell you. Dark Soul is the son of Dark Soul. Is one of these spelled S-O-L and the other one's S-O-U-L? Or is... There's just a space. Okay. <laughs> the villain of the first game is D-A, or excuse me, the villain of the very first Shining game called Shining in the Darkness. His name was D-A-R-K space S-O-L, Dark Soul. And his son, the antagonist of Shining Force, is Dark Soul with no space. <laughs> like, What? What are they doing? What are they doing? And in fact, here, here's one more tidbit for you, Mike. This is interesting. Uh, so, is his grandfather ma- Dark Soul? Was that like longer? Did you put two spaces? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I got what you were talking about. Proud or frightened? I don't know. Okay, there's the moment. There's your stinger moment, Mike. The plot of Shining Force Two is the uh, this thief accidentally releases these devil kings named um dark soul lucifer and zeon now dark soul it is supposed to be the villain from the other game okay lucifer and zeon are new characters are you still with me i think lucifer is pre-existing as well that's the thing is that when they released it in north america they were afraid of biblical controversy so they changed the names of the characters from Dark Soul, Lucifer, and Zeon to Dark Soul, Dark Dragon, and Zeon. And are you, are, you, are you so obviously renaming the character to be his own dad? Let's not even go there, okay? Do you get why changing Lucifer's name to Dark Dragon is a major problem? Um, it's not controversial. It, it's, it's, is is it's this dumb. just that? Doesn't some part of that name mean light? (laughs) I hate you. No. (laughs) That's not what I was going for. Dark Dragon is the final boss of Shining Force. So they renamed two characters into names that were already existing in the franchise. This would be like if when they translated Star Wars, they changed Palpatine's name to Darth Maul. And Darth Maul is still in the movies. (laughs) Like they they essentially through this translation laziness destroyed the continuity and now the backstory makes zero sense because this guy is his own father and this monster is the same monster as the previous game but looks totally different and has different origins it's just a big mess but I thought that was funny all right well, do you have anything else to say about Shining Force two before we give our take yeah I'll add a couple other things sure one of which or two that are gameplay related. Number one, that took way, way too long to actually get to anyone that has arrows. What are you talking about? The, the first time I got to someone in Shining Force 2 that actually could use a, use a bow and arrow. Oh, like a long range weapon, yeah. Yeah, just, that was just like irksome that yeah. in Shining Force you get relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, and then I just don't think the story premise of like, ah, the kids from school stumble into an adventure, which is, ultimately the Shining Force 2's start yeah. was as at, at all as compelling as the first Shining Force that has more of like, he's being trained for this and now we're in trouble and he has to... When I yeah. describe it that way, they fa- sound a lot more similar, but the level of... <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, we I sent some saying. kids versus like, this is a young but like mature character. 
feel well, different. And, and I and I did appreciate the way that Shining Force Two, at least in the beginning, kind of created logical reasons why the kids would be there. Like, so for the first battle, you're not the first choice. They have to send all the guards away to defend the city, and then someone has to go bring the king his amulet or something. And like, you know, oh hey, you kid, you know, all everyone else reliable is gone. You bring the kid the you bring the king the amulet, and so you know you kind of get sucked into the adventure that way. It's it's funny because you know you mentioned the children being less compelling. It, for some reason, I've always been that way. Even since I was a kid, I shy away from stories about young kids. I I, I just think I find them annoying, which is not good because I'm a teacher. But <laughs> I just think that give me an adult protagonist that I feel like has you know, some heartache. I want, I want my protagonist to be staring into the bottom of an empty bottle of beer at the end of the night. I I just, Shining Force 2 was a little too cutesy for me to totally get invested. Yeah. And then I don't know if we want to talk about how annoying the Kraken is. Yeah. So what Mike's referring to in Shining Force 2 is that you eventually get this raft uh, and you use it to explore parts of the map that were previously inaccessible, which I thought was neat. I thought that was a very, you know, logical way of slowly unlocking more of the game. But so you're cruising down this raft and you hit this boss fight where this giant kraken, this giant squid surrounds you. And I should note, like, there's stuff you're supposed to do before you get to that. But the game... It just doesn't direct you. Yeah. So I, I got to a point that didn't happen in all in the previous game and it hadn't happened to this point where like I felt out of my league. I felt like this boss is way too tough. So I texted Mike and asked him for tips and he's like, oh yeah, make sure that you go east before you fight that guy. There's a lot more story you're supposed to do before you get to him. And that was absolutely the trick. Now the thing to the east was just a random patch of the woods I had to wander into to find this hidden little hut and another battle. So the game did not do a good job of making sure I went to the right place first. And I could see like, as a kid, if I didn't have you to text, like I would have fought over and over. And it's an annoying battle because the Kraken is in the water. You have maybe three characters that can reach into the water and (laughs) you're basically helpless as the tentacles have a much longer reach, much more damage. And then you're just hoping that eventually the head of this squid gets close enough to the raft that you can start hitting it. it it's, it's annoying. I haven't beaten it yet. That's, that's what I'm grinding up to, as you would say. What annoyed you about this Kraken? I mean, I think just part, mostly that you stumble into that without much warning. Yeah. Um, and like, ultimately it took, I lost five characters to beat that sucker. Yeah. Like that, it was a brutal fight and a huge amount of it is honestly just turns of cycling through everybody and having nobody move because you're waiting for whichever particular tentacle is just close enough to, to decide to keep moving in to move the rest of the way in so yeah. that you can actually attack it. Now, but I think though that like that is interesting though, even as you're describing it, that sounds cool because they're using the battlefield and they're using the layout to kind of create this different sensation of like, okay, this fight's a little different. You know, it's not, it's less about placement and more about patience. And I can kind of see that being what it might feel like to fight something where it's underwater and you're just taking swipes at it whenever it pops up. But 
I feel like I don't it know. sounds cool until you have to wait through that many tentacles. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting idea, but I don't know that it was fun. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Um and then just a couple of weird tone notes. I think number one, it's weird that um did you get Kiwi? Kiwi. I don't think so. Basically, um in wherever there's one of the towns where like, hey, we got a pet store now. And if you go in there beforehand, like you can actually talk to one of them, which has some very questionable tones. But oh, uh, talking to the pet? Yeah. I talked to the pet. Was I supposed to go back to the pet store after that mission? When you go back then or right after, because the town gets attacked, you can find basically one of the creatures who will join you. But it's the only time I encountered where you get to pick their name, which feels very weird because there's Oh, still- yes, yes, yes. Okay, you're talking about the little turtle. Wait, yeah, I have a yeah. picture of him. I called him Shiver because I didn't catch Kiwi and he said he was shivering so much. Yeah, he's this, he's this cute little turtle. I don't think he's that good of a party member it's interesting because he has incredibly low health points he has eight health points but he has crazy defense so it's kind of interesting because that means that you can heal him back up to maximum with a lesser heal spell i didn't mention it before but one thing i really liked in this game is that as spells get stronger they take more magic points they take more resources to cast but you can at any time cast the weaker version for less magic points I, I thought that was a clever way of giving me like a more strategy. So yeah, so I did get Kiwi. I just called him Shiver. What about the little guy? I just think it's weird that everybody else that joins you just joins you as their name. Right. I think there's something very strange about that. <laughs> like you own him? Yeah. Yeah. It's got yeah. weird elements. And then just, there's a weird morbidity, morbidity to this game that I kind of, I think I appreciate, but okay. So, so there is a line of dialogue that was in here someplace that sum- summarizes this up, which is just, if he dies, it doesn't matter. He's old anyway. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, now that was, I think that was Peter, right? The Phoenix, who's kind of sarcastic. He's sort of supposed to be like the Daffy Duck kind of character. Um, I Here's a screenshot of him. Uh, did you get to Vulcanon, the giant bird god you're trying to appease? Yes, so I just, that's him. I didn't know he was such a cold-hearted god. I was like, wow. <laughs> that's like a meme, a meme from 1993. <laughs> I would say, I think this is actually about what like someone else says, I think when one of the various kings is sick because yeah, there's a lot of sick royalty in this, but there's just, there like, is. A, and there's a lot of comments like that. And it's just like, this is a weird tone for this game to go. For sure. On one hand, it's like, we made it lighter because it's about kids, but, and also all the old people should die. And I'm like, I'm not really sure what we're doing here. Yeah. So yeah. That, <laughs> did you, did you ever get to the town in the first game where all the adults were off fighting war? And so it was run entirely by children and they're kind of not running it the best, but they think they're doing an awesome job. I don't think I did. Yeah. It was great. Like they have like a pair of shorts instead of like a flag. It was just like, it's like, oh buddy. <laughs> like, Okay, so um, shall we go to our critiques? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, wrap this up by um, proclaiming Shining Force and Shining Force 2, either a Nintendo or a Nintendon't. Um, I'd like to guess yours. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know how you're going to vote because you kind of had pros and cons of each. Um, For me, Shining Force, Mike, you ready for this? I mean, I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. Ask me if I beat Shining Force. Did you beat Shining Force? I Nintendo. 
Ah, yeah! <laughs> Mike, I played this whole game. All 26 hours of it. I loved Shining Force. I, I thought about it when I wasn't playing it. I, I just, I gobbled up the chapters. I am so pleasantly surprised. And it's like, it's a new fave for me. E- even though it has some annoying, like, quality of life issues. I thought Shining Force was really cool. What did you think? A strong Nintendo for me. A super Nintendo, I think. Um, if you like retro RPGs, I think it's a real winner. What did you think of it? I would say, let's finish yours for first. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you want me to do the other one? Yeah. Okay. So Shining Force is a Nintendo for me. Um, I, I beat the entire game, uh, especially if you like RPGs with good battle systems and... I want to mention for both of these games, Nintendo Switch Online is not the best way to play it. It's very convenient. I love that if you're paying for the subscription, there's no extra cost. But there is a Switch game called Sega Genesis Classics. Have you heard of this game, Mike? Um, I think I only know that this exists because I think I saw this when trying to look up manuals. So it has like 47 games and a lot of them are ones you can get for free via Nintendo Switch Online. But... It has an instant rewind feature. So on the Nintendo Switch Online, when you rewind, like it pulls up and you kind of have to pick a screenshot of where you want to go back to. This game, Sega Genesis Classics, you hold down the, the trigger, it rewinds like a VCR, complete with backwards sounds. and So instantaneous. So that's really cool. But then even better, you can fast forward. Do you see why I'm recommending you play it this way? Well, there's a lot of cutscenes, so yes. A lot of cutscenes and both games, a lot of like waiting for your enemy to move across the map or wait. So you're talking about reducing a 10 second wait to a two second wait, which doesn't seem like a big deal until you've waited for 10 seconds for the 500th time. <laughs> so Shining Force is a Nintendo, especially if you have the Sega Genesis Classics. Uh, Shining Force 2, it's not its not grabbing me the way that the first one did. I think if aesthetics and you're kind of into anime and you want a bit more storytelling, you might prefer it over Shining Force. I can't, I can't say it's a Nintendo just because I think it has enough good qualities that the first one did. So although my preference is a Shining Force 1, Shining Force 2, I think, is still a Nintendo for me, just not as strong of one. How are you feeling? Yeah, so I'm actually going to say Shining Force, the first one, yeah, is a Nintendo for me. Okay. To the point that then when I played Shining Force Force 2, as yeah. much as I appreciate all the like quality of life improvements, yeah, I didn't play that Fair. game enjoying that game. I played that game wishing that someone would remake shining force with those quality of life improvements because whenever i wasn't playing when, when i was playing shining force 2 i was just wishing that shining force had the extra like menu options but was still that game because i think shining force was the more fun game it's hard to say necessarily a nintendo don't yeah but i'm not a very enthused nintendo on that either <laughs> well so i'll leave you with this then the First Shining Force was remade on the Game Boy Advance called Shining Force Resurrection of the Dark Dragon in 2004. And I would hope it includes the quality of life things we mentioned. I can't imagine them not doing that so many years after, you know, such things were already figured out. And 
RIP the iStore, uh, um, Apple Store version. It was available on the uh, iOS phone. I, you could play them on iPhone from 2010 to 2015, but it's no longer available. I remind, I have one last thing I wanted to ask you about Shining Force. Yeah, go ahead. So you beat the game. Did you find the unlockable where you apparent because this is an early 90s game that you can apparently find an unlockable ability to put one of your mages in a bikini? All right, guys, thanks for listening. Um, this <laughs> What? That's real? Yeah, I was looking up what the heck some of the other power-up things I was getting were because I had no clue. Oh, and it was right, like, here we go. here's the items. And one of them was like, oh, yeah, you can get this one. And it's like something that you can find in a cave. And now your mage is in a bikini. And I think for one of the other female characters, there's just a very tight dress option. Wow. Yeah, I just uh, just Google image Shining Force Mage Bikini. There's quite a bit of fan art. <laughs> but wow. And you know what? Like she it's it's Tao, T-A-O. And like she's got this really cool regal purple robe and like this kind of like um, I think they're called pauldrons, the thing on your shoulders. It's like her outfit was one of my favorites. Like, why you got to do that to her? So no, Mike, I did not. In, I did not unlock the secret pervy mode of this game. <laughs> I'm just. I don't know if it. It was a point further than I got, and I didn't know if that's one of those hidden things that is easy to find and you would have stumbled upon. Uh, well, so I'm gonna end this um, episode with the uh, spoiler for the end of Shining Force. So if we've convinced you to play Shining Force. Um, definitely you know like follow and subscribe if you think we've earned it but stop listening now if you want to play through the first shining force game uh but i should ask you mike do you do you mind if i spoil how that game ends do you plan on playing through it i can't guarantee i'm going to get back back to it because that's still a lot of hours to go so go for it okay so i we had mentioned earlier that the first shining force ends with your main character going missing and it's really cool and dramatic because as you've defeated the dark dragon and you know, basically save the world, you do it with the special sword. And in order to make sure the dragon stays dead, your sword has to stay wedged inside of like the, I mean, it's like, it's like a temple with the dragon inscribed on it. Basically the place is collapsing and your character chooses to stay behind to make sure that evil stays dead this time. And it's really dramatic because like your character speaks Normally in the game, you just say yes or no. And so he's screaming like, get out of here and save yourself. I'm like, whoa, like I was played, I was JMO on my playthrough. Like, oh, JMO actually said something and his last words were saving his friends. And so it's very somber as the castle sinks into the ocean and your characters are screaming your name. And then there's the, you know, credits saying like, you know, oh, evil is defeated and whatever came of JMO will never know. And then the game does this great fake out where, the final cutscene is this sad little robot you meet later, just kind of walking. And the cutscene is the sad robot being offered farm work. So it's like implied that, you know, he's found a peaceful life. And then the camera slowly pans over to show your main character is actually the one being talked to. And, you know, and all the, all the words were like, Oh, you know, you don't see someone dressed in armor like that. And Oh, the silent type, huh? And it was this great fake out. And then he looks right at the camera and I gasped, Mike. I was like, oh, like, he's okay. And then I got to a dead end. It said the end. And there was no way to get to the menu. It was just a hard lock. And I was like, wow, this feels very final. And so 
even though Street Fighter Six was released this week, and that was the game I much would have you know rather been playing initially, I'm very happy to play through Shining Force. Uh, well, guys, if you uh, listened all the way to the end, I probably should have plugged the next episode first before I told some of you to leave. But thank you for listening. This has been um, the old Switcheroo with Mike and JMO. I'm Mike. And I've been JMO. Uh, join us next week where we'll be discussing our quarter munching mustachioed. Wait, hold on. I can do this. <laughs> okay, we'll try that again. You don't have to cut this. Next week's episode is mustachioed quarter munchers. We are talking about three arcade puzzle games Burger Time Deluxe, Dig Dug 2, Trouble in Paradise, and the classic mario brothers so thank you all for listening and have fun gaming on everybody